What's up everyone, it's Yasser Khan with Yasser Khan Social Mastery. Today I'm here with a fellow international student, Derai. We figured we'd do a podcast today to talk about what it's like to be an international student at TRU and in Canada and the unique perspective that provides us as students and as foreigners. So Derai, why don't you introduce yourself first? Hi guys, my name is Derai Mutandiru. I am a communication student from Zimbabwe. This is my final year at TRU. And today we're just going to be talking about my experiences here, tell you his experiences in Canada from the challenges of immigrating from one culture to another and dealing with different people, different backgrounds and mispronunciations of names. So Derai had a speech yesterday in Toastmasters yep. and you talked about how when you come to a new country, pronouncing some of the names can be difficult. And I found that story very fascinating and I think it's something you should share with our audience. I know, it's. I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys can relate to this. When I came to Canada, it was September 2014, and I was in the immigration office. And so I'm excited to get to Canada. I'm waiting for my passport to get stamped. I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And so the lady that works there, she reads the names out. So let's say his name is Rory Smith. She'll be like Rory Smith, John Wayne, so forth, so on. And then she gets to my name, and she pauses for a second. She just, she's just quiet. She looks down. And then she looks up and she's quiet. And then she looks down again and then she looks up and then eventually she just says my surname, Mutandiro. And automatically that told me, yeah, I'm gonna have to explain my name to every single person that I meet. And I swear to you, I have to explain my name to people 10,000 times before they actually get the pronunciation close. So how do they pronounce to. your name? It's pronounced Dairai, but the, the issue that a lot of people face is because in Zimbabwe, the way uh, in our language, you have D's are pronounced two ways. You pronounce D's as da, but you also pronounce it as da. Now, the da part is hard for most people because if you don't speak the language, you're mm. not going to know how to say it. So that's really where a lot of people struggle with that kind of thing. And so most people, when they hear the dai part, it's like, how am I going to say it? Some people don't even want to say my name. They're scared to butcher it. And so they don't even attempt it. You know, they don't want to offend me, right? So they just don't say it. So, I mean, that's it's an everyday struggle for me. That's why sometimes when I meet people, I'd rather introduce myself as mm. Alvin because it's less stress, it's less explanation. Mm. Because to me, to me, it's like, to me, it's basic. It's something you should know. But, you know, people from my own country can't even pronounce it sometimes. So it's like, you know what? Why bother the stress? Just go with Alvin when you meet people all the time. When you meet people who ask you how to pronounce your name, do you feel good about that or do you feel annoyed that you have to explain it? The part of me understands because it is a tough name, but a part of me does get a little irritated because it's like sometimes like people will try to pronounce it and it will be such an, in such an insulting way. You know, it will be completely wrong. It's not even close, right? So what does it sound like? Like some people might say, uh, you know, dairy or something that's just, you know, something completely, like, it's so bad, you're just like, you know. It's just dropping. You know, yeah, you're just like, okay, you know what, just call me Alvin, I'm good with that. No need for the stress, no need for that. Mm -hmm. So, sometimes, you know, you just gotta relax about that kind of thing. Right, and you were telling us about how you were working as a broadcaster and you had to pronounce other people's names. So that's yeah. that's putting the tables on you now. So how oh did that feel? man, like you don't you don't want to look like a clown, right? When you, you're doing the thing, you're commentating, and the one guy's name you think you got it right. Like when you're commentating, you're confident now. Like you you're saying his name. For instance, when I was commentating for the Quebec Ontario game, there was okay. a guy whose name was Lefebvre. 
Now, originally, I didn't know how to pronounce that. I said something else strange totally. And then what happens is he scores a basket, he scores a three-point shot, and then the announcer says the name, you know, in the stadium. Oh. <laughs> the guy's like, oh, you know, at a basket by Le Favre, you know, and you've been saying it the same way the whole game. And so, you know, you just silently, you know, in a slick way, you don't want the audience to know you just change it up like that and you act like that's what you've been saying all game. Yeah, right? That's what that's what I said. That's how I pronounced the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's awkward. It's an awkward experience. It, it reminds me because when I was in, in Malaysia for my undergrad, it's a, it's a place that has a lot of Chinese people there and whatnot. And I was told to be the MC very last minute. We had to announce all these winning teams in Malaysia. <laughs> so when I was announcing the names, they gave me a whole list. And the first few names were names I could pronounce. And then you had a lot of X's in the names, a lot of Q's, a lot of N, Q, and G's. And I was butchering every single name, <laughs> every man. Name. Like, Ooh. I would pronounce a name, then I would look around, and literally no one's coming up, <laughs> no one's raising their hand. And then the Chinese friend of mine would come in, oh, no, that's not how you pronounce it. This is the Ooh, name. And I went through 36 names, and I think I got one right, oh, because wow. his name was Max. <laughs> Ooh, I mean, I, I, like if they know English names, that's yeah. really the toughest. If, they, if there's one or two English names, English names, you can get away with it because mm. the surname might be a different language. But if the yeah. first name is English, you know what? You just go for the first name, right? You go for the safe bit. But if the name is like, second name is a different language and the first name is a different language, you're screwed. You got to find like a way to <laughs> do it without offending people. And, you know, like in 2018, most people get offended about a lot of things, right? Yes, they do. Yeah. You offend their religion, their name, anything. Mm -hmm. So you have to be careful. It's like you have to be on point when you're trying to say their names. It's funny you mentioned that because I have such an incredibly long name and I never thought it was long before I came here. So my whole name is Muhammad Yasser Ali Khan. That's four different names. Yeah. And when I see my ID, they condense that down to Muhammad Khan. Yeah. Now, I have never gone by Muhammad in my Muhammad, entire life. Yeah. So when people come here and say, hey, Muhammad, I'm like, Who's that? Who's it's always been yes, sir. It right. has. And the funny thing is, when I came to Canada, I was getting my SIN number. I went to Service Canada and they said, Mohammed? And then 16 people stand up at the same time. Like, <laughs> well, was it you? Was it me? And they're like, yeah, no, Mohammed. It's, it's a popular name, man. It's a, yeah. it's a very popular name. Like, people know that name. So I can imagine if you say it, it's like, you know, there's so many of you. Which Muhammad is who? Yeah. Exactly. So I understand why, you know, Yasser would be like more comfortable. The funny me. thing is Yasser would be more comfortable for me, but then they don't believe me when I say my name is yeah. Yasser. They said, yes, sir, that's your name? Your name is Yasser? No, what's your real name? I remember I, I met this fellow at a competition and I said, hey, I'm Yasser. He looks at me for a while like, yeah, I'm marvelous. Like, oh my god, no. <laughs> oh, I'm like not that. trying to be funny, that's my name. And he was mispronouncing it, right? Because it's yes, yeah. but he's thinking it's yes, sir. I mean, it's, 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 it's. Honestly, what I've learned is when I've heard every rendition of my name, I have, like you said, I've become fatigued with having to explain it. So, whatever they say, like, you know what? Yeah, that's how we pronounce that's it. Amazing. And I've heard every rendition for so long that I've forgotten what my actual name sounds like. <laughs> I've become so westernized with my name. Like, yes, sir. Yeah, you know what? Yes, sir. That's my name, man. Let's just, just do yes, sir. You know, just, just to keep the peace. There was this one woman I had to actually pull out my credit card just to show her. That that's is actually that. my name. Yeah, that's literally my name. And you would get this nowhere else in the world, right? Like, if you went to, well, you would, I guess, outside Zimbabwe. But every single other place you go, you realize, okay, you know what? My name is not that common. And when you were in Zimbabwe, right, you've, you've grown up around people who look very similar to you, spoke a similar language. When you came to Canada, was there ever a moment when you realized, hey, I'm African? Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. like the way, the way I think, 
like some of the jokes i mean i'm pretty sure a lot of people who listen to this will most probably had this you know you have jokes in your language that are funny yeah. like i can say something <clears throat> my language is shauna i can say something in shauna that is hilarious Anybody who speaks Shona will be laughing their butts off, right? <laughs> then I say it in English, it sounds a little stupid, right? Because it's just it's just the differences so in language. So give us an example culture. of that. Give us an example. Ooh, it's a tough one. Um, I mean, I could, I could say something basic. I could say something basic about someone's shoes or, you know, those shoes, uh, they're, they're ugly, they're outdated. And say mm -hmm. it maybe in Shona. But in English, it just sounds like I, I, I'm being judgmental. I'm being a douchebag, basically. But like if I was to say in China, people would just be laughing and they'd be like, "Ah, oh, you're crazy, whatever, that kind of thing. But in, in English, people might be like, what's so funny about that? Like, yeah. don't be a douchebag, man, or something like that. So it's, it's like, just weird how the culture is. And it's also the whole politically correct culture as yeah, well, right? That's true. We understand that in Northern America, it's quite rampant. You have yeah. political correctness everywhere. Back where we're from, it's not exactly mainstream, right? They're, yeah, that's true. Uh, as bad as it is, racist jokes, sexist jokes, they're kind of the they're norm. normal. Yeah. It happens, not that it should be, but the fact that people are so comfortable doing that, and then they come from that country here to Canada, and all of a sudden they realize, oh, you know what? These, these jokes aren't really landing. People aren't really liking this. And then they notice this cultural shift in there, right? It's like appearance, right? Like here, you can't say certain things about people's appearances, mm -hmm. right? You say certain things about people's appearances, you're asking for trouble. Yeah. Back home, people used to make fun of you for yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah. Whether like, for instance, other black people might make fun of you for being very dark. People yeah. might make fun of you for having big ears. Mm -hmm. if, if you're a big person, they might make fun of you for being a big person. It's oh, like yeah. a joke. But here you do that and... You know, people aren't gonna really be ha too happy to hear that kind of thing. It's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's a very you have to get used to it. Because yeah. the jokes that and certain words that you could use back home that everyone thinks is acceptable, but mm. you come here, you use that kind of language, and everybody just looks at you sideways like this person is just a a, a bigot and he doesn't yeah. like certain group of people or they're a bully. They like to make other people feel bad about themselves. What I've realized is that Canada is very forgiving when it comes to things that are not perfect about you, right? You might not be a supermodel, no one's gonna come up to you and say, hey, you're ugly, whatever. Yeah, but they're very unforgiving when it comes to people who shame other people for that, which is great, right? Yeah. You should always feel comfortable in your body and whatnot. And you have people come from different cultures and they bring their culture with them. You will see a lot of people very interested. For example, we have orientation in your TRU. They play all out Indian Punjabi music all the time. And it's not like anyone's complaining. Everyone's having a great time. Yeah. They're enjoying dancing out there. But then you will have a few people who are just like, hey, you know. Why are they doing this here? Yeah, well, what is this doing here? This is, this is our culture, what's going on? So there is a little bit of a balance, I feel, with culture. And with that, it's a good segue into discussing how when students come from a certain country, We've seen a certain tendency of them being comfortable with their own kinds of people, right? I'm not sure if it's the same for them. Yeah, I've seen it. I mean, f usually for African students, they're usually very comfortable around Africans and fellow black people. Mm -hmm. And I mean, to a degree, I, I understand why, because there's certain jokes. There's certain jokes that you can make around black people that are funny. Yeah. And then there's certain jokes that you can make around white people that are not so funny. So sometimes, and also just that ability to relate. Like me and you, for instance, we come from a different part of the world. So me and you, it's easier for me and you to relate on certain topics, certain mm -hmm. issues. But for certain other people, it's not. Like, it's just, it's just difficult. You, like, it's hard to be friends with someone when you don't relate to them or you yeah. don't understand their way of thinking. And so I think what happens a lot of the times is students come here and I think students are afraid to get out of their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. 
but I also think it's a, it's a fact that different people from different cultures, just different things, like, you know, work. Like, you can't be friends with someone if you don't vibe with that person, if you don't understand, if you don't have a, a, a decent level of understanding with each other, right? Like, me and you have an understanding for, we love both love public speaking. Mm. We, we both, you know, ambitious, both want to be successful. So it's easy for us to connect that way. But if me and you were totally different, if I was like, I'm, I'm happy working a minimum wage job for the rest of my life, I didn't like public speaking, yeah. like, it, it just wouldn't, there would be no connection, it wouldn't work. So I think mm. that's, that's always the challenge, like, as students that we have, yeah. is finding common ground. With I also feel that a lot of students, especially international ones, it's, for most of them, it's the first time they've actually been separated from their family, from their culture. Yeah. So when they come to a whole new different country, they don't realize how different the culture is, how different yeah. the lifestyle is. And the first thing they do is they almost have a little bit of a panic attack. Like, wow, yeah. what do I do now? These people are so different. I don't know how to blend in with all of them. And then they see a guy, hey, that guy looks like he's from India or Pakistan. Yeah, we're the same. I should go and holler that guy, man. We're, 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 we're going to have more in common, yeah. But that's the thing, you know, as soon as they get here, instead of finding opportunities to meet newer people, it's so, it's so common for us to see people go back to that same group of people, right? That's and true. then you don't grow out of that. You don't learn how to expand your comfort zone. Yeah, people just aren't, I don't know what it is about us as human beings, mm. but in my short 23 years on this, on this planet, I've noticed that as human beings, we just love being in that comfort zone. It's, mm. just, it's, it's difficult for us to go outside of our comfort zone. It's just for right. some reason, it doesn't come natural to us. Yeah. And that's why like, you always like, commend someone when they decide to do something that's mm. like, not natural to them, right? So okay. I, I think it's a challenge that... A student, especially as young people who are trying right. to get over, is getting out of our comfort zone. So let's talk about your orientation experience when you first came to Canada, first came to TRU. How well did you blend in with people who weren't from your culture? <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, and I haven't, I don't tell the story often, I actually missed the orientation. Um, for, for those international students who don't know, like I didn't get my visa on time. Mm. Right, and you and I both know the stress of a oh, visa. Oh my god! You know, I people, know people, all. it's underrated. Like that is the biggest stress, right? When you get accepted to TRU, yeah, you're excited. The first concern is school fees. After school fees, it's visa, because if you don't get your visa, no way you're ending up in Canada. So for me, I knew I applied in about May, and I got a response in July. I was supposed to be here by August, and it was no, you're not getting the visa. And so, you know, I was stressed, my parents mm -hmm. were stressed, you know, they, you know, we were all like, we didn't know what was gonna happen, you know. I was just looking at my future, I was like, I, you know, you know, you get negative and it's like dark thoughts, you're like, oh my goodness, I'm gonna be working at like a convenience store and I'm not gonna go to university. And then luckily for me, I applied, like I was just like, you know what, let me just apply. I applied and then within the month, around August 30th or so, I got the, the visa. And so this is when orientation was happening, the orientation week, everything, it's all happening. Everybody is getting shown around. I actually had friends that I met in Zimbabwe. I was texting back and forth, telling me, oh, you know, the place is great. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever, the, the, the women are beautiful, everything. The campus is lovely. And so like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, hopefully I just get everything done. So I do my medical. I did my medical before I actually got the visa. I bought the plane ticket before I got the visa. <laughs> and then, like, luckily for me, the visa came out the day before yeah. I was scheduled to fly out. And I flew out the next day, and I was here by like Saturday evening. I was, I was in Kamloops. And you know, I didn't have a place to stay. Like, I didn't know where I was gonna stay. So I spent a night in, New res, like 
the eleventh floor, was it? And I like for that night, yeah, spend the night there. I couldn't afford to stay there, so I had to find a motel to stay in. So like all the time that I spent there, I like I didn't do any orientation, I didn't get shown around or anything like that. I had to figure it out on the fly. So I would have like I would sign up for my classes and I would look at my schedule and I wouldn't be sure which building to go to and I would just go like I'll go to the wrong building. Mm. I'll ask people, yo, do you know like where to go? And luckily for me, what helped was that there were a lot of Zimbabweans around. So they, they helped me settle in. So early on, a lot of my friends were Zimbabweans. Um, it was a comfort zone. It was partly due to the fact they, they helped me settle and, mm-hmm. and they helped me show around it. And the fact that I came late meant I was behind. Mm-hmm. But over time, like once I got comfortable and understood, I started having friends that were not necessarily Zimbabwean, but maybe from places like, you know, some friends from Zambia, some friends from Canada, mm. friends from all over the place, people I had an understanding with. Mm. But it took some time for me to, 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 to start hanging out with those people. And I think you needed those people in your life at the time because you got yanked out of your life in Zimbabwe <laughs> yeah. and just thrown out there. Hey, you don't have a place to stay. Here's a ticket. Here's a visa. Go. Let's just fly off. Yeah, no, my, my parents, because I mean, the, you know, the economic situation in Zimbabwe was so bad at that point that... You know, my parents had to get me out. Like, I needed to get educated. Like, I wasn't going to survive staying in Zimbabwe with no education. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know, this, this, at this point in time, there's no light to the end of the tunnel in Zimbabwe. So my parents were, like, worried about me. They were like, no, we can't have you staying here. We mm-hmm. need to uh, send you to school so you can make something of yourself. And so when I came, it was, yeah, it was, it was essential to have those people backing me and helping me out. Otherwise, I wouldn't have survived the four years that yeah, I had. Yeah, man, having a support system is important, right? Yeah. When you come here, it's you essential. need... That's why when you have ISAs here at TRU, you have one for the Chinese students, you have one for the Indian students, African students, so on. So all of them have a certain representation here at TRU that make them feel a little comfortable. They can talk in their own language. They, they don't have to feel like they have to talk in English. So when you came, did you have did you deal with something similar? Like did you do you face those kind of challenges? It's, it's interesting because I was supposed to come in the fall session for 2016, but like you, I was just waiting for my visa. Come on, man! Come on, where is that visa? And I remember being in Pakistan, and for those local people who are watching, the visa truly is the most dreadful thing of your life. You're just waiting every single day, refreshing that page, <laughs> refreshing that page. Yeah. So I was back home, I was just waiting for my visa to come in September, and it became very clear that the session was about to start, and the university gives you a specific day. If you don't get your ticket or you're not in Canada before this day, you'll have to extend it the next semester. So as the date came closer and closer and closer, it became very apparent to me that this visa is not coming around. And like you, I bought a ticket for the <laughs> fall, except my visa never showed it never up. Never showed up, so you never used. So, so did you did you reschedule it? Yeah, so I had to cancel the ticket and oh. pay the extra fee for that. But then I ended up pushing it to December. That gave me some more time to actually have closure with my friends back in Pakistan. I left in. 22nd of December and I landed in Montreal wearing a t-shirt and a hoodie in minus 35 degrees. Oh wow. Now I didn't know how cold <laughs> minus 35 degrees was up until I was in a layover in Montreal and I figured you know what Canada is a beautiful place everyone's <laughs> celebrating Christmas let me just go outside for a second and see oh, what the snow wow. is like. Oh, my goodness. That door opened and I was like fuck this. <laughs> it was cold. <laughs> I am not gonna go Ooh. out there this cold man. So I came back I sat in, the, in there in a bit then I had my next flight, I went to Calgary for a bit after that, I came to Kamloops, 
And very quickly, I realized how different a place like Kamloops is from where I'm from. Now, I'm from a city that has a population of 24 million people, which is ridiculous. You have wow. people everywhere. 24 million. 24 wow. million, right? And then when you can... 100,000, 90,000 Exactly. <laughs> you have one mall, you have one cinema here, one... You have a, a university town of sorts, and I was not very used to that. So when my orientation came around, Thankfully, I already had previous experience being in an international university. I did my undergrad in Malaysia. So when I came here, I had a very good idea of what kind of people I wanted to meet. And it's not like I say, hey, you're like me, so bye-bye, I'm not gonna talk to you. It's not like that. It's just that when I see people from a different culture, I wanna interact with them. So I remember first day of orientation, I see this fellow hanging his jacket right outside the orientation room. And obviously he looked like he wasn't from my country. So I just went up to him and said, hey, where are you from? And he said, I'm from Sweden. And we ended up talking and I met someone else who was from Austria and then we ended up talking to someone else who was from Norway and then we just had this whole squad by the end of the orientation. <laughs> and your own little squad formed up. Exactly, and by the end of the orientation, I had friends all over the world and I was like, what? I couldn't have done any of that if I just stayed in my comfort zone, look for only Pakistani people around here and just talk to them. So for me, once I finally got here, it wasn't a nerve-wracking experience, but mostly because I had prior experience and I'm passionate about social skills in general. But when you said the whole thing about the visa process and just, <laughs> just the, the time leading up to you leaving your country, it's, it's so filled with anxiety, man, oh, it's, yeah. it's crazy. You, it's uncertainty, right? Because that, that uncertainty, like that uncertainty just makes you nervous it, it and does. anxious. So when you finally did come to Canada, you settled in a little bit, slowly, you start finding out that it's it's different. It's yeah. not like Zimbabwe. There are certain things that are different for you than there are for Canadians. So how did you how did you realize that? Oh, to be honest, it took me a while. Mm -hmm. I, I would say I truly became comfortable in Kamloops. I'd say in my third year, actually. I'd say my first two years. My first year, I felt like a deer in the headlights. I wasn't really comfortable. Yeah. Getting out of my comfort zone. Second year it was a little bit better, but it still felt new, still felt like a like a totally completely different place. Mm -hmm. And by like third year, I started like to grasping the concepts, the the way of thinking, the way people live, the way people operate. And I'd actually say in my fourth year, I've, I've fully like understood the place. Now I, I can actually say I understand, mm -hmm. but it took me it took me time to understand because it took a while for me. Because naturally for me, sometimes it's hard for me to open up to people, especially if I don't know people. I think it's, it's maybe naturally because I do have those trust issues. So mm. it's naturally difficult for me to, to form relationships and bonds with people until I, I've been around them for a while. Mm -hmm. And for me, early on, that's what it was, right? I would have like one or two, three people that I really, really trust. And those are the people that I hang with. The other people, I, I didn't really have the trust issues. So that it took time. But the more I've hung out with people from different cultures, whether it be it First Nations culture, whether it be white Canadians, black Canadians, Africans, mm -hmm. Jamaicans, um, Indians, Pakistanis, different people, different religions, the more I've become comfortable and the more I, I started to understand the country. Mm -hmm. you know, and it, it helped having Zimbabweans that were older than me that would explain to me some of the mistakes they made. Right. Because if I didn't have that, I, I think I would have made some of the same mistakes they did. Absolutely. You know, because when, you, when you're out here, you've got freedom, right? Back home, your parents are like always hovering over you. Mm -hmm. They're watching what you're doing. And it's such a structured society that mm -hmm. it's hard for you to sort of 
create your own identity but when you come here you can create your own identity you can be your own person you do what you like you can eat what you like and mm -hmm. you know your parents aren't going to be on top of you yeah. asking you questions why are you doing a b c so for me it took a while because of that but once i started hanging out with different people different perspectives it, it allowed me to, to grow and get used to the place i, I wasn't like you where like you you met foreigners people from different countries right mm. off the bat and you became friends with them now that that, that wasn't me that just mm. it just didn't come naturally to me like it did to you but it's that sweet taste <laughs> of independence once yeah. you finally get that you're like oh my god man this is oh like yeah there, there's not life. there's nothing like it sometimes i think to myself if i went back home i don't think i could i think me and my parents would have a clash because having been for so long yeah. so much freedom you know you can go out whenever you want and i mean yeah. we know when you're in college everybody really likes to go out to whatever beer sure. parties meals do whatever like if you want right now on friday you can be like you know what screw it we're going to vancouver yeah or we're going to vernon we're going wherever right but when your parents are there you know you have to check in with them <laughs> you have to let them know like what time are you going to so be back in my today? mind i'm like if i go back home like of course i'll always be respectful and appreciate everything my parents mm. do for me but i feel like they'll be a, a bumping their heads because 100%. i want to do things a certain way because i'm so used to doing whatever i want and the, and they'll be so used to that structure and like getting you to like tell them what you're up to and what you're doing right and this is a good segue for us to end the podcast today as well now that you've been here for about three years, you yeah. said, do you think if you go back to Zimbabwe now, people back home can see an actual change in you? Oh, definitely. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, a, I'm a totally different person to the to person that I am now. You know, sometimes when I post pic, uh, videos of me doing like, yeah. the Toastmasters, people are surprised. They're like, oh, you do public speaking now. You know, and when you see those comments, like in your head, you're like, am I like, what are these people talking about? I've always been a very, you know, talkative person, right? But... It's, it's, it's just growth. Like, in the four years I've been here, I, I feel like I've grown. I see the world differently. The way I dress is different. Like, the way you dress here mm -hmm. and the way you dress back home is totally different. <laughs> the way you see work, the way you just, everything. It's just a totally different mindset that you gain when you've been in a place for four years. So you can boldly say that being in Canada has been a life-changing experience. Yeah, definitely. For me, it has. I think if I go back home, I'll be a, uh, I would have a totally different mindset. Look at things totally differently. And I think... It raises your standards when you come to a, a country that's more mm. developed yeah. because you see like how good life can be like the basics of life and, and the importance of that kind of thing and those are the kind of thoughts and mindset i didn't have before i came in sounds good there right so for our audience watching today where can they find you in social media so they can find me on instagram is just alvin and they can find me on facebook with Mutandiro. And just for those of you who can't spell it, we'll have a little text on the bottom here just so you can see. <laughs> and you can find this podcast and a lot more, especially if you enjoy this kind of content, something very leisurely, us talking about our experience here in Canada. You can find all of this content on his Instagram or mine, Yasser Khan Social Mastery. Again, that will be in the bottom below. Leave your comments if you have any suggestions for the future, and hopefully we'll see you guys in the next one. Thank you so much for watching. It was a pleasure, Yasser. Thanks for having me, man.